You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So we're in a new series called Let Us Pray, and um, all centered on a, a particular passage in the book of James, which is what I'm going to read here in one second. I'm going to be very forthright, very honest with you. I have one singular agenda today. And that is to get 150 men to men's prayer this Tuesday. It's all I care about. It's my one goal. Um, so it's going to happen in Jesus' name. That's my, my faith goal. Come on. So the title of my message is Let Him Pray. Let Him Pray. Let Him Pray. So we're going to read James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Again, the, the sort of the the central passage of this series that we're in, and uh, should be on the screen behind me, but here we go, James chapter 5. It says, is anyone among you suffering, somebody, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful, let him sing psalms. doesn't say, is anyone among you suffering, go find Pastor Jurgen. go find somebody who really knows how to pray, go, you know, line up for, it says, is anyone among you suffering, you pray, you pray, let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. To avail just means to help. Okay? Just means when you pray, it helps you. That's all that means. Okay? Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let him pray. You know, there's this weird, um, I, don't, I don't really know where it comes from, but this, this kind of thing that's wiggled its way into the church where it's like you need, like if you've got a big problem, you need the big guns. You know, you need like Pastor Jurgen needs to pray for you. You need to wait until a Wednesday night when Rex Crane is here. And they're, they're the only ones that can deal with whatever this thing is. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, is any among you suffering, let him pray. You pray. You don't need Pastor Jurgen or the big guns. There, there's, it's not like Rex Crane has some superpower that, that none of the rest of us have access to. So the question is, well, then, okay, well, then why do we see certain people that seem to have more effective prayers in, in one particular arena? It just seems like whenever Rex Crane is here, he's praying for people to get healed, and, like, supernaturally, that stuff happens. Well, it's not that Rex Crane has some superpower that the, none, that the rest of us don't have access to. It's just that he has the faith to see that happen. That's it. The Bible says it's the prayer of faith that will heal the sick. So you need to understand that when you are contending for things in your life, so Katie and I have a, as many of you know, a miracle house story, okay? We, we believed God for this house. It was a home we couldn't afford. We moved in with Katie's parents who were sitting right here on the fourth row and um, just started building a house we couldn't afford and just hoped that by the time we got to the end of it, there would be enough money to get there. And it was crazy. I mean, it was a, a we fought every day about this thing. I mean, it was like warfare in the spirit, warfare at home, just trying to figure out how we we're going to pull this off. But we believed God, and we've seen it happen. So we weren't actually contending for a house. We were actually contending for the faith 
to get houses. Does that make sense? And so now Katie and I have seen God move in this, and there is an anointing on our church for people to buy homes in San Diego. And listen, when we, we talk about um, taking ground and, and, and buying real estate, I want you to know it's not some like, you know, all about the Benjamins, so awesome to be blessed. Listen, when you buy a home, that is you taking back a chunk of land that belonged to the devil and now belongs to the kingdom of God. That's why we talk about it all the time. So now Katie and I have the faith it takes to believe God for a house, okay? And so it's when we pray, believing God for a home, it's no longer like, you know, will we see God do this one day? I'm not sure, I hope so, and it's all this warfare. We believe now. We know that we know that we know that God blesses in that area, right? So it's not that Certain people have like this gift of praying for that one thing that you don't have access to. It's just that they've contended for the faith to believe in that thing, okay? So I want to answer three questions. Why pray? What do we pray? And how do we pray, okay? Why pray, what we pray, and how we pray, okay? Why do we pray? Well, first of all, John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, said that God does nothing except in response to prayer. God does nothing except in response to prayer. So I'm going to give you two reasons why we should pray. Number one, because God says to. And I don't want to trivialize how important that actually is, okay? God says to. In Luke chapter 18, uh, as Luke is writing, and he's about to um, narrate the telling of this parable, in Luke 18 verse 1, Luke writes, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. The entire, like what we just read in James 5 says, pray, pray. The apostle Paul says, pray continually. Like it's a commandment to pray. Now, if it actually takes a tremendous amount of faith to say, you know what, I don't really know how to pray. I don't really know if when I pray, anybody's listening. I don't know, uh, I haven't really seen my prayers work that much, but nevertheless, I'm gonna give it a go. That actually is a huge step of faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's the exact same as Peter when Peter is in the boat with Jesus and Jesus says, let down your net for a catch. Cast out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And Peter says, sir, I am a fisher man. I am a man who fishes. This is what I do. You are a carpenter. You make things with wood, okay? We have toiled all night. This is my lake. This is my fishing hole. We have caught nothing but Nevertheless, at your word, I will throw out the net for a catch, okay? Praying when you're not sure the effectiveness of your prayers is actually a great place to be because it takes faith. It takes faith. Second reason we pray is because it works, okay? When we pray, things happen. We see it in James 5. It says that the fervent uh, prayer of a righteous man does stuff. It avails much. Things happen. In Luke 22, Jesus uh, says to Peter, he says, um, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And so Jesus was able to head off the schemes and plans of the enemy because he was a praying man. 
I love in John chapter 11 when Jesus goes to heal or to raise Lazarus uh, from the dead. He gets to the tomb, and, um, and the Bible says that Jesus prays. And he says, Father, I know that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. Lazarus, come forth. And I think that's really interesting. He says, Father, I know you have heard me. So in English, that's called the present perfect tense. Okay, you guys have the same thing in Spanish if you're a Spanish speaker. He orado, right? Have prayed, right? Now, you wouldn't say, in English, you wouldn't say, I have prayed for you this morning. doesn't make any sense. You would say, I prayed for you this morning. Okay? Because the present perfect tense implies something that happened in the past but is ongoing. Okay? It's not I have prayed for you this morning. It's just I have prayed. You have heard. And so what Jesus is saying is, Father, I know you have heard me. He's saying I am a man of constant prayer. I'm always talking to you. I know that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. Lazarus, come forth. It works. Because Jesus was a praying man, he was able to bring this dead man out of the tomb. In Mark chapter 9, there's a a father of this son who's demon-possessed, and he throws himself into the fire and has these epileptic seizures. And this father brings the son to the disciples and says, hey, can you guys please help me out, do something? And so, you know, the disciples are like, yeah, we can do it. And they're, you know, get out of him, you demon, and and it's just not working. And so Jesus comes down in this, from the mountain. He was up there being transfigured and all kinds of crazy stuff happened. And he comes down and he's like, what's going on here? And the father is, is flummoxed. I heard somebody say that word the other day, and I swore I was going to use it. He was flummoxed. I did it. He's like, why can't your disciples cast this demon out of my son? And so Jesus says, oh, you know, he rebukes him. He says, get out of him. Demon goes. And then the disciples come to him later and like, hey, what was that all about? How come you could do it and we couldn't? And he says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. It's interesting because it just happened like right there in the moment. It wasn't like Jesus was like, okay, hold on. I went and fasted for 40 days and then came back and prayed for this, this kid. It happened right there in the moment. So what he's saying is, I have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting that you don't have. And that's why I was able to cast this thing out. It works, okay? It works. That's why we pray. Now, why does it work? Well, that's a very big question, and I don't really have time to unpack all of it. But just the best way I can think to describe it is imagine you're in a little boat, and um, there's a, you know, you're by the beach, and there's an anchor grabbed into the beach and a rope that goes to, to the boat, to you. If you were to grab that rope and pull, you know, you would move closer to the beach, to the shore. And it would be really silly to think that when you're pulling the rope, you're pulling the shore to you, right? You're pulling yourself to the shore. In the same way, when we pray, we're not pulling God's will to us. You're actually pulling yourself to God's will. And you'll find that the more that you pray, the more that you learn how to pray, that your prayers change. The way you pray changes because prayer doesn't change God, it changes you, okay? So that's why we pray. Now, I wanna give you some really practical um, points of what to pray. What should the content of our prayers be? Well, Jesus modeled all kinds of different praying. You know, I I told you about in, in John chapter 11 where it's just this declarative, like, Lazarus, come forth. And there's 
time for that. There's time when, when you get to men's prayer at 5.30 in the morning and you just declare victory in whatever situation and pray healing in your marriage or whatever it may be. But then Jesus also in the Garden of Gethsemane fell to his face and begged God, God, if there is any way that we can do it another way, if there is any way, it wasn't, and I just love that because you see the humanity of Jesus. It wasn't like he was just like, all right, bring on the torture. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I'm ready. He begged God, will you please find some other way? But nevertheless, if this is the only way, I'm in. This is the only way you have my obedience, I'll do it. And then you, you see him pray like before he feeds the 5,000. And the Bible says that he takes the loaves and the fish and he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. There's just all of it. It's not like every, and I just love that we see there is moments of just declaring and just getting after it and showing up to men's prayer and, and just declaring God's blessings in favor of your life. But there's moments where you don't have the strength for that. And you just pray things like, God, why? Why? Why would you do it that way and not this way? And I just love that Jesus gave us the freedom to pray that way because he modeled it that way. So what should we pray? Well, I'll give you this old um, kind of churchy acronym with a bunch of big theological words that I don't really like, but it's actually really helpful, so just bear with me, okay? To pray acts prayers, A-C-T-S, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Again, I know they're all really big churchy words, and I hate that, but just bear with me, okay? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, in that order. And when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray, which is really important, okay? Praying is not a spiritual gift that some people have been given and some people haven't. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, which means necessarily that it is a skill that you develop, that you get better at with practice, Okay? Disciples say, teach us to pray. And what, does, what is the first thing that Jesus says to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Adoration. The very first thing that God models is to pray, God, you are amazing. You are awesome. Your name is above every other name. It's a prayer of adoration. I'll never forget, maybe you've heard the story of when we were living up in Oceanside, coming down here, waiting for our house to be built. It was a, it was a very, it was a tough season um, of life for, for, for me um, in my career and, and financially there was just a lot of, of unrest and I was just sorting a lot of things out and like really struggling with believing that God was, I mean literally I'm like watching this house get built and the, the people building it are just assuming that when they finish I can pay for it, which I think is pretty crazy that they do that. They just start, start building, like, all right, cool, we'll talk to you in a few months and I'm just like, Katie, like you don't understand. We're going to get to the end of this and they're going to say, okay, and we're going to be like, sorry. And so we were just really, I was really wrestling through a lot of things. And so at the beginning of, and this was several years ago, uh, I guess it would have been like four or five years ago, there was um, a few guys uh, at this campus that every year our church does um, some kind of prayer and fasting thing at the beginning of the year. And so there was seven days of fasting, and so these guys decided, hey, during this fast, let's all go up to the church, and at 5.30 in the morning, we'll pray together for seven straight days during this fast. And um, so they did it. I was not part of that, but they did. They, they got up at 5.30 every morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through for seven days, and it was a lot of the big, successful business people of our campus. And so they did it for seven days and just saw so much fruit and breakthrough, they were like, 
well, we're not stopping this. This is going really well. So they just kind of kept going. And literally every day, five days a week, not on the weekends, but during the five working days, they would meet right out there in the foyer at 530 in the morning, and they would pray. Well, after like six weeks, um, Marco Contreras, a good friend of mine, calls me. He's like, dude, you have got to get down here, man. This is crazy. Like, do you, do you want to show up and pray with us? And I live in Oceanside. So I'm like, um, but I was so desperate to see some things shift. I didn't go every day, but about two, three days a week, I would drive down from Oceanside. I'd get up at four in the morning. I would drive all the way down here. I would pray with these guys. And then I, my, I worked in Mission Valley at the time. So this was back when they had a thing called traffic, if you remember. Going north on the 805 in the morning pre-COVID was very, very challenging. So I would leave here after praying and sit in traffic for an hour to get to Mission Valley. So like my whole morning round trip to leave the house and get to work was like four and a half hours, okay? But I was just so desperate to see something shift. And I'll never forget, you know, these are all the, you know, there's some really successful people that were in this this group. And you probably heard me tell the story before, but I, I show up and it's Rudy's Bentley's parked there, Marco's Range Rover, Jose's white Porsche, Chris's Mercedes, and then I roll up in my 2003 Honda Civic. And I parked behind this little bush out there because I didn't want them to see me. And I would just kind of make sure none of them were looking. And then I would try to like scoot in real quick. And then I don't really know what I was thinking. Like, what was the other option? They'd think I like took the bus or something if they didn't see my car. So I don't really know what that was all about. But anyway, I'll never forget because on the way down to the first meeting, I was kind of like nervous. I was like, okay, you know, these are, these are guys, like, how do I, what do I, what do I pray? And so I even like, I kind of, I had some, some prayers in my back pocket that I was ready, you know, so I was like, all right, I'll pray for this contract, and I'll pray for, for God to bring, you know, three new hot leads in the next week, and, and just kind of was ready so that I could kind of fit in as these guys are praying for business and success, and so I, like, had those prayers ready, and so then we, we show up, and um, everybody, uh, between 5.30 and 5.35, you know, these guys, and there was probably, like, six, I think there was, like, six guys, would all trickle in, and, um, and would all sit on the couches out there in the foyer, and it was the craziest thing. I, I walked into this, they'd been doing it for four to six weeks, but just the way it went, was everybody would sit down, Marco would bring a little Bluetooth speaker, play some worship music, and nothing started until Rudy stood up. And it was, I didn't know, I just, he's like the godfather, and I just thought, that's just how we do things here. It's like we would sit down and talk for a little bit, hey, are you guys doing good? Oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. And then when Rudy would stand up, we would all, oh. And then we would all start praying. And I didn't, I sh- and I got scared. I'm like, if I stand up first, they just, like, take you out, and you just get, like, you get whacked or something like that. So that's how it went, and I'll never forget. Rudy stands up, and so I'm, oh, here we go. And then these guys just started praying. And, and again, these are, are men that have seen tremendous success in business, that are incredibly financially blessed, and they spent the whole first 30 minutes. God, you're amazing. God, thank you that we once were blind, but now we see. We thank you that you reached into the depths of hell and pulled us out. God, we thank you for our amazing families. We thank you for, for my wife, for my kids. Not, and then it was like, at the very end, it was like, Oh, yeah, and if you could just bless me in business, that'd be great, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. And I was so challenged that here I was ready with all these business requests and financial requests, and they first just adoration and just prayed, God, you are amazing. And it taught me something about the heart of prayer. Second thing is confession. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Now, I'm going to put up on there the scariest verse in the Bible for me. Proverbs 28, 13 should be right there. He who covers his sins will not prosper. Ouch. This verse terrifies me. And I'll tell you what, I would 
I care much more about being an instrument of blessing in this life than I care about people knowing my dirty laundry. And so I have people in my world, Pastor Colin Higginbottom, I talk to him every Tuesday right after men's prayer. I call Pastor Colin. We get together for lunch once a month, and we talk about real things, real things, okay? Not like, yeah, man, just like really struggling with pride this week, you know? Can you just pray for me, man? I'm just feeling so prideful. just want to, you know, just want to be more like Jesus. No, no, no. We talk about real things, real challenges, real struggles, very openly, very honestly, the Bible says confess and pray. I pray, God, will you search my heart? One thing my dad taught me before he died was the first person that a man will lie to is himself. And I've never forgot it. It's one of the most important lessons I ever learned. You will deceive yourself before you will deceive anybody else. Pray for self-awareness. And it is actually a great joy. Whenever God shows me something about myself, it sucks no one likes, you know, getting the ugliness in you revealed. That's not fun. But I also know it's because God loves me, that he hasn't given up on me, that he, hasn't, that he says, hey, I have a plan and a destiny for you that requires this stuff getting weeded out. And I just am thankful whenever he shows me things inside myself. Pray. Say, God, show me. What is it in me? Like if you pray something like, God, give me a billion dollars. Why... Why would God do that? A billion dollars would crush most people. Like, you don't have what it takes to steward a billion dollars. God's not going to just give you something you're praying for if he knows it will destroy you. Instead, pray things like, God, what is it standing in the way? I know your word says you want to prosper me, you want to bless me. God, what is in the way of you blessing me? What is it in me that is keeping you from prospering me in the way that I know you want to? God, what is, what is it in me that is keeping this communication, you know, divide between my wife and I? What is it in me? Pray for God to search your heart and illuminate things in you. A-C-T, Thanksgiving. Do you actually thank God when a a prayer is answered. I realized a while back that I would like, you know, I'd go into a meeting and like, all right, God, I just pray that you'd bless this meeting, God, that, that, you know, the sale would come through or whatever it was. And then I would do the meeting and it would work and I'd be like, sweet, cool, moving on. And then I just felt God just kind of being like, and I make it a point now to stop and say, God, thank you. Thank you for answering that prayer. And then lastly, Supplication, which just means to ask for stuff. But prayer should be adoration first, confession second, thanksgiving third, and lastly, asking for stuff. Now, it's about to get controversial up in here. What happens when your English words are not enough? At our church, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of those gifts written down in this book, don't get mad at me, okay? I'm just going to quote the Bible to you. The sovereign word of God that we all agree is the inspired word of God talks about a gift called speaking in tongues. <gasps> and I feel um, authority to speak on this because it took me a long time. Okay, I came from a little Baptist church in Dallas where no one speaks except the pastor ever. If someone shouted amen or wow, it would just be like, uh. okay. Then I came here and people just 
going on, speaking in gibberish, and I'm just like, okay, Katie, get your purse. We've got to get out of here, okay? This is, this, is, this is scary. I don't like this, okay? Now, I'm going to put a Bible verse up here, and we're going to read it together. I am just the messenger, okay? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. There are times where your English words will, or Spanish, whatever your first language is, will fail you. Last year, my sister committed suicide, and it was devastating for my family. And it's like, what do you pray at a moment like that? I didn't have any English words. I didn't have, like, some eloquent, like, God, I pray first, you know, whatever. It just, there was, I had nothing. And the only thing was to get out of the way and just let my spirit pray. And there's some few, there's a few myths about, you know, this spiritual gift that I want to just kind of bust real quick. The first one is people think it's like you're going to be like in line at Trader Joe's and all of a sudden you're just going to be walking around like, It doesn't work like that. Paul says, if I pray in tongues. It's a choice. It's not some kind of like all of a sudden you're just, whoa. Okay? It doesn't work like that, okay? You're not going to be in the office at the water cooler and all of a sudden start shamadama ding dong or whatever, okay? It doesn't work that way. And it is a heavenly language. None of you just, you know, like you say your first word, you know, dada, and all of a sudden you're like, hello, father. I now speak perfectly fluent English. I'm glad that we, you know, it doesn't work that way. My, my son, Zeke, he's five, and he just says, he, he says this thing every now and again. He'll just come up to me out of nowhere, and he says, daddy, you're the best daddy I ever had in the whole wide world. And it kind of doesn't really make sense. But, you know, it's not like I'm like, hey, idiot. That sense doesn't even make sense. Yeah, right. When he says that, I mean, I am just like, oh, it is heart melting. I'm not like, why isn't your grammar sorted out? And so you think that God like is mad at you because you're stumbling through praying, trying to figure it out? Yeah, right. God takes great delight when you speak with him. There's a, this gift is a, there's a, and and listen, it took me, you you know, you hear stories of people that, you know, God just kind of moved and all of a sudden like breathed on them and they just kind of like in in moments of worship just started, these sounds kind of came out and and that's great, but that didn't, it didn't happen like that for me, okay? It was like more of a, I just had to work it out. I'm I'm an intellectual, I like, I'm very analytical and so just, my wife is the feeler and that's kind of her thing and it just doesn't work that way for me. So I like, you know, I'd been, it'd been like three, four years of being at this church, and like, and I, that was one of the things. Listen, I've been here for almost 10 years. I can tell you there's four things people have a problem with at our church. Politics, speaking in tongues, women preachers, and money. Any complaint anybody has about our church somehow stems from one of those four things, okay? And so for me, I just couldn't, this, it just was so strange to me, and I felt so uncomfortable, and, and it was like three, four years of just, and finally I was like, okay, I, I, I read these verses. I can't ignore it. I have to do something with it. And so I was like, okay, you know, started to seek God on it. And 
I was just like in my car. I'm like, all right. And just kind of like put on some music really loud so I couldn't even hear myself. And just kind of, you know, like tried to make some sounds. And I was like, God, this is so stupid. This is so dumb. No, no, no. It took me like working it out. And there's a certain yielding that has to happen. A certain, it's, it's a step of faith of like, okay, I'm going to get out of my own way. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm just going to put some breath behind it and just trust God. And you will find that there are moments where you don't know what to pray. You don't know how to pray. How do you pray for these families that have lost young men, young women, 19, 20 years old? How do you pray in your own understanding like you know, like I know how to pray? That's why we need this gift. The Bible says it's the Holy Spirit actually praying through you. It's you praying in the Spirit. It is one of the greatest things, greatest gifts for you. Otherwise, you're just, you're just at a loss and you, you can do no good. Lastly, how should we pray? Well, it's two answers. Number one is all the time. The Bible says pray unceasingly. Now, I want to just, um, that doesn't happen overnight. And I, it's not like I, I'm, you know, pray every minute of the day. I want to I get even better. But I can tell you, when I first started coming to this church, I prayed. I mean, it'd be like weeks would go by without, and I'd just be like, oh my gosh, I haven't really read my Bible or really prayed at all in the past couple weeks. And maybe Katie and I would be out at dinner and we'd like, all right, well, we should probably pray. Then it was like, you know, after a few years, it was like I found myself really like, it came pretty weird if like a week went by and I didn't like really, you know, pray for some things. And then it got to where like, it'd be really weird if a day went by and I didn't. And now Katie and I start almost every day. I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you it happens every day, but we try every day to pray together as a couple, out loud together. Okay, And it's not some crazy, you know, we're not like, we don't have like kneeling pads where we're just like on our knees for hours. Literally, we get out my phone and we put a worship song on and we pray through that song. Okay? So five minutes, unless it's oceans and it's like 20 minutes. Okay? And we just, and it's not, it's not weird. It's not like we just, and I'll be honest with you, it, it was a little weird when we first started. It felt a little like... We're trying to, you know, get this thing going. And now it's, it's, it's just, we just, you know, we pray for you guys. We pray for this campus. We pray for this, this city. We pray for each other. We pray for our business. We pray for our children. We pray for our marriage. We pray for anything, you know, anybody that we know that, you know, needs God to intervene. And then it's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, love you, babe. I'm going to work. Love you too. Mwah. Bye. Okay? We, I, I pray now over, like, when I'm going to send an email for work, I just, before I hit send, I'm like, God, I pray that you would bless this email. God, that, that the receiver of this email would have ears to hear, not every email, but you know the big ones, when I'm like sending a proposal or something like that, not every email. I'm like, all right, cool, thanks. I don't pray over that one, you know. Um, I have a, um, a, a bike on, I live on Coronado, and so I have this orange beach cruiser, and it has a little lock on it. And it's not like a, it's a, you know, little combination lock. And it doesn't have numbers. The people that made this lock, I thought, were very smart. And it's all these letters. And so you can make whatever word you want, a four-letter word. It's a lot of bad four-letter words you could make. Or there's a lot of good four-letter words you can make. So my combination for my bike is P-R-A-Y. So every day when I get outside to hop on my bike, I have to spell the word pray and unlock my bike. 
And it's just a reminder. And I pray on, on my little bike ride to the office. And I pray for the city of Coronado. I pray that we'd have a campus there one day. I pray for my wife. I pray for whatever. And then when I lock my bike back up, I have to spell the word pray again. And I pray. Okay? And so, so now if you see an orange beach cruiser on Coronado, you can now, now you can take it. So please don't because it's my ride to work. And I want to, you know, again, I want to be, it's not like I'm not super spiritual. I'm uh, like, I'm just like you, just working it all out, okay? It's not like that's, you know, I'm just constantly, I'm in constant communion with God and he whispers in my ear. No, it's a discipline that you have to work at. And, and it's okay if like it doesn't, you know, you, you're like, oh my gosh, it's like dinner time and I haven't even thought about this once. That's okay. It's okay. Just start somewhere. You have to build that discipline. Set up little reminders. Grab one of those little green army men. Set it on your counter. And every time you see it, you'll be reminded to pray for our military, to pray for our servicemen and women. Whatever you have to do. The Bible says pray always, unceasingly. Ephesians 6, 17 through 18. It's going to be on the screen. This is um, the Apostle Paul talking about the armor of God. And he kind of gives all these sort of proverbial pieces of spiritual armor. There's the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of peace, and all these things. And he says um, in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying always. Now, all of these pieces of armor, there's the, there's the helmet of salvation, shield of faith, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, sandals of peace, and the sword. All of them are defensive pieces of armor except for the sword. If In sports, the defensive team is trying not to lose ground. Okay, you are a, Your defense is successful if you don't lose any ground. Okay, On offense, if you don't lose any ground, that's bad. Okay, it means you didn't go anywhere. Okay? The only way that you actually advance and move forward is with offense. Your only offensive weapon is praying the word of God, praying in the spirit. All these other things, your, your faith, your salvation, your, all that, that is defensive and keeps you from losing ground. But if you want to take ground, you've got to get out your sword and you've got to pray. You've got to pray always. Is it possible that there are battles in your life? Is it possible that there are things, situations that would be resolved if you were more committed to prayer? Is it possible that there's ground that God wants you to take, but he refuses to do it unless you pray? Is it possible that there's ground that you could be taking that you're not taking because you are not you don't have a robust, developed prayer life. Lastly, the Bible says to pray with faith. In James 5, what we read at the beginning, it says, and the prayer of faith will see the sick healed. It takes faith to believe. And so I want to just take a second and what do you do when you pray for something really, 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 really hard and it doesn't happen? You know, a long time ago, long, 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 long before Katie, long time ago, I dated this other woman. And I was obsessed with this girl. Asked her to marry me. She said yes. And then ended up breaking up with me 
And I don't really blame her. I was a disaster and was like, idolized this girl. I was like, she was my only friend, my only, and it was a lot of pressure for her. And I think she was just like, this feels a little weird. I'm gonna, okay, so I don't blame her, but I was destroyed. It was leveling, not just like, I mean, I was heartbroken. Like couldn't even go to work. I was just a mess. And so I ended up like quitting my job, moving back in with my mom and just being a miserable it was a mess, okay? And I prayed my heart out that God would bring this girl back to me. I even fasted. I actually don't think even to this day I've prayed for anything more fervently than I prayed for that. For three straight days, I didn't eat anything and just prayed every minute of the day that God would turn her heart, that she would see how amazing and handsome and awesome I was and, and on and on and on and on and on. And it never happened. And I'll tell you what, I thank God that today I'm married to the much hotter much more amazing, much more powerful, Katie Yeager. And listen, that sounds, you know, that probably sounds a little trite and silly. It wasn't silly to me in the moment. I was leveled and was like begging God, okay? But he didn't answer that prayer and praise God. But what about something, there's a, um, there was a family in our church that, um, um, the sort of the, the mama, the matriarch of this family got sick and was very seriously sick and uh, was in, a, in the hospital and, and, you know, at the point of death. And so I got to pray with, um, with the son of, of this young lady and, and just, and I like felt like I'd heard from God. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that God was gonna heal this, this woman. And I like had this, 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 you know, lat where Jesus says this sickness will not end in death. And I just had this word and I knew. And so I'm praying with this guy and I've got all the faith in the world. You wouldn't even have believed it. I didn't have an ounce of doubt and just giving him this word, just praying and we we're going out. And she, she died. And so what's the response then? Because I just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't have the answers. And a lot of amazing things came out of that situation. This family has seen pretty incredible revival uh, within it because of that situation. And that's amazing. But it also, I'm still like, God, you're God. You could have done that and healed her. So what do you do with that? Well, you have to understand that you all, me too, us, we're together in this. We all live in the West, okay? We live in a highly individualistic culture. You have to understand that the way that you read the Bible, the way that you think about God, all of that comes through your Western worldview, okay? It comes through your Western worldview. And we come from a very individualistic society where everything is about your you know, your goals, your individual rights, your freedoms, as opposed to collectivism, where there's a lot heavier collectivism in the East, where you have, you know, where the the, um, the goals of the group and the rights of the group and the success of the group are, are more important than the individual. And so as individuals in an individualistic society, when we see something like that, it's easy to think just because I don't see a reason means there isn't one. You have to be big enough, I have to be big enough to understand how small we are. That just because I don't see a reason doesn't mean that there's not a reason. And so the, as the believer, your job is to trust. And I can tell you, the next time that I pray for somebody who's sick, 
I'm gonna pray with just as much faith. I'm gonna pray with just as much tenacity. I'm gonna pray with just as much belief that God can and will do it, and that's your job. Your job is to always believe, to always believe. When things don't go exactly the way you believed they would, then your response is, God, I trust you, and I'm gonna believe again. That's why going to men's and women's prayer is the most important thing in our church. And you guys hear me say it all the time. I want you to know, I don't get like some financial bonus if we hit some kind of men's prayer attendance number or something like that. That's not the reason I'm always peddling it, okay? I'm not on staff at all. I don't get paid anything, okay? Certainly don't get a bonus if we get certain guys to, I push you to men's prayer and women's prayer because that's how we take a city. That's how we see things shift. That's how we take ground. That's how you take ground in your own personal life. That's how you take ground for your marriage. And so I want to issue the challenge that I started with. This Tuesday, I want to challenge every man. There's an invite card on your seat. And I want to see you Tuesday morning at 530 in the morning at men's prayer. Even if you just come once, I want to see 150 guys there this Tuesday. Wives, you set your alarm for 5 a.m. And when it goes off, you do this. And you push them out of bed. Okay, And I'll tell you guys that Tuesday morning is the most important part of my week. Now, I'm going to be honest. It's not always my favorite part of the week, okay? But it's the most important. And yes, you will find, like I always sleep like a baby. It's a spiritual gift. I always fall right to sleep, never a problem. For some reason, on Monday nights, it's like tossing and turning. There is resistance for me getting there because the devil knows if I get around my boys and we start praying, it's time to do some work, okay? And so you will find there may be a little resistance, okay? But get there Tuesday and see if it's not true. See if you don't find yourself stirred up. See if you aren't encouraged when you hear what God is doing in the lives of the other families of this church. You'll hear men telling stories about breakthrough, and you may be wanting that very same breakthrough, and then you hear it coming from across the, the room, and you think, man, if God will do it for it will stir you up. Your faith will be built. So this Tuesday, I want to see 150 guys at men's prayer. Now, I know there's some of you, maybe you can't be there. Yes, come on. I think that was Tony Rivera back there. There's some of you who can't be there, and I totally get that, okay? But get up at 5.30 and pray with us. There's a, a guy who is a mechanic and has to be at work at 6 a.m., and once probably every four to six weeks, he sends me a text at 5.30. Hey, I just want to remind you, I'm in the car and I'm praying too, okay? So you can't be there, that's fine, but be a, a person who is committed to prayer. See if things don't shift in your world. Take that step of faith. See if things won't shift. You know, there's, uh, I'm going to close with this, there's, um, a place in the Old Testament called Dothan. And two really remarkable things happened in Dothan. The first is in the latter part of Genesis, Joseph is thrown into a pit and sold into slavery in Dothan. Okay? Now, if you know the story of Joseph, he's, his brothers sell him out and he's sold into slavery, uh, but God is with him. He ends up as a slave, being, um, you know, highly regarded in Potiphar's house, everything, uh, and Potiphar was his owner, everything in Potiphar's house begins to flourish, and so he gets kind of some special favor, but, you know, I mean, he's still a slave, and then he um, is accused of this terrible crime that he didn't commit, Potiphar throws him in prison, and he's in prison, and then there's a, a winemaker and a baker, and he, he can interpret their dreams, and he says, hey, when you get out, just remember me, and it doesn't really happen, it takes another two to three years before he actually gets out, gets elevated to the right hand of Pharaoh, you guys 
know the story, okay? That he was first sold into slavery at Dothan. Now, also in Dothan, um, in 2 Kings, I think it's in chapter 6, there's a man named Elisha. There's a great battle that's going to take place in Dothan. And Elisha prays, and chariots of fire show up in an instant, and there's a great victory. So you have at this one place, two very different things happen. In one, somebody prays, and God shows up in an instant, in exactly the way that he prayed. And in one, a man prayed for years and years and years, and nothing happened. But had Joseph, had God answered Joseph's prayer when he prayed it, you think he wasn't in that pit like, Lord, I would, I would like to get out of this pit, please, okay? If God would have answered that prayer, if he would have answered his prayer to not be a slave in Potiphar's house, if he would have answered his prayer to pull him out of the dungeon with the baker and the winemaker, if he would have answered his prayer, then he never would have made it to the right hand of Pharaoh, he never would have been in a position of power when a famine hit the land and his brothers came to him and said, can you help us? Joseph saved hundreds of thousands of lives. And after it was renamed Israel and became a nation, his 12 sons are the 12 tribes of Israel. An entire nation was born because God didn't answer his prayers. Come on. Amen. Yes. Amen. And so I want to just encourage you to be men and women that pray. And that's how we're going to see a city shifted. That's how you're going to get breakthrough in your own world. That's how we're going to see families reunited. That's how we're going to see disease fall off of people because we're people who pray. So why don't you stand to your feet? I'm just going to pray for us as we close out the service. God, we thank you so much that you're not afar off that we don't need to go to the Pope or to a high priest or to, there is no gap between us and you. Your word says that there is one mediator between man and God, and it is Jesus Christ. That because of Jesus, because of the finished work of the cross, we can speak with you. We can pray with confidence knowing that you hear us. We can enter your throne room with confidence God, speak to you face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. So, God, we pray, God, that you would teach us to pray. Just as the disciples asked, God, they didn't know. They learned, God, you were patient. You taught them. We pray that you would teach us to pray, that you would teach us to pray more effectively, God, that we would learn how to have the faith to see things shift, God. And I pray, God, your word says that signs and wonders will follow those who believe, God. We, we ask that as we pray, things happen, that signs and wonders and healings and miracles will flow out of this church, God, that that the entire south part of San Diego will hear about all the crazy stuff happening at the Eastlake campus of Awaken Church. God, that friends and loved ones and coworkers are going to come to us and say, hey, what, what is happening in your life? And you'll be able to say, I go to a church that believes in the power of prayer. I am a praying man. I am a praying woman. God, that we would see our prayer meetings explode. God, that we would see destinies shifted, that we would see legacies built, that we would see miracles and signs and wonders like have never been seen in our time. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.